0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39-71. Jesus is our Savior, so we worship Him for what he has done for us. And we remember and realize that our salvation is not based on what we do, but what on what he has done. Jesus is our savior. And as we approach the cross here in the gospel of Luke, it's good for us to remember that and to worship Jesus for taking our place on the cross. But it's also good to remember that Jesus is our perfect example. And that's another thing that we're going to see, especially in today's reading. We we should worship Jesus for what he does and how he stands in our place. But we should also look to his example because that is what we want to follow. He was the perfect savior and he's the only perfect human who has ever lived. And I think sometimes we oversimplify things to just uh, sum it up. Well, he didn't sin because he was God. Well, Jesus is Is God in the flesh? but he lived the perfect human life because he perfectly relied on the spirit and submitted his will to the father. And that is meant to be an example for us. And that's one of the things we're really going to see as we get started in our passage today, the very first section of it, uh, starting in verse 39, talks about Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives. And it says he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So there, Jesus is giving a command to his disciples. And that's where we want to study the Bible. We often bring up the terms then, always, now, what was the original intent, the original audience? What are the principles that are always true from this, and what does this mean for my life now? Well, this is one of those things that Jesus says specifically here to his disciples, but if we think about it and we compare it with the rest of scripture, I think we would say it's always true that Christians should be watchful and prayerful against temptation. And so that means you now should do that. And then we see Jesus' example. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, and there we see, I think, a very model prayer for us. Uh, Jesus clearly expresses his desires. To the Father, if you are willing, remove this cup. That there was intense suffering ahead for Jesus, and while there's there's at one level, a, is there is there another way to do this? There is a submission to the will of the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And, and that's where when we think through our own prayers, there one there needs to be prayer because that's the contrast. Jesus is praying, and when he goes back, what does he find the disciples doing? You know it, sleeping. They're snoozing away. And he says to them, why are you sleeping? And then again, rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So he is exhorting them again that prayer is what will guard them from temptation. And then when we see, well, what kind of prayer, a prayer that is expressing expressing a submission to the will of the Father. So think through that in your own life. Are you praying and are you praying against temptation? And as you do, is your prayer against temptation really a, as simple as, well, God, help me not to be tempted. Um, Or is there along with that, not that that's a bad thing to pray, I mean, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, but is there with that a real God, and I'm putting my will behind and below yours. Your will is what matters because I know some of the temptations I will face, they're going to really test my desires. They're going to test my will, but nevertheless, not my will. But yours be done. A couple other things we see in that passage are that the angels, uh, or an angel, comes and strengthens him, and that's where does that mean every time you pray, an angel is going to come to minister to you? Well, not necessarily, but God does answer prayer, and when we pray like Jesus prayed, we will find the help of God. But then we see not only the content of Jesus's prayer, but we see really the manner of the prayer, and it was intense, and being in an Agony. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. Has your prayer ever known that kind of intensity? And, and clearly some of the intensity is brought on because of the suffering. I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that we should try to go muster up necessarily sweaty prayers. Uh, but there are times where Jesus, because of the circumstance he's in, it is so heavy that the prayer is even more earnest and intense. And we'll find that in our lives. There will be times where the, the circumstance we are in is so, so heavy our prayers will have that kind of, of sense and i don't think the idea is that jesus was bleeding from his forehead just look at the language it's a simile his sweat was like drops of blood uh, that shows you the intensity of his prayers and that's one of the main things i want us to get out of the reading today is looking at jesus as our perfect example and applying his fight against temptation to our own. Now, obviously another component with that is what you are not perfect and you won't be perfect. So another part of our response to this passage does need to be worship that Jesus passed the test, that he did submit his will to the father so that you and I could be saved. Next, we see the crowd show up and Judas leading the way, drawing near to kiss Jesus and betraying Jesus with a kiss. And then we see, um, and, and we know what goes on here. We know it's Peter that strikes the servant of the high priest named Malchus and cuts off his right ear, but Jesus rebukes him and heals the servant of the high priest. So you see Jesus's willingness to go along here. And we, we talked about that yesterday. Jesus delivers himself on his own terms. Um, to the authorities. And he even rebukes them as he does calling this the power of darkness. And then we see the denial of uh, Christ by Peter. And I think we should connect that. What's Peter doing? Well, you know, he's sleeping. Jesus is praying. He passes the test. Peter is sleeping and he fails the test. And I think there is a lesson there for us us, that we've talked about as we've read this account in the other gospels. Uh, And then we see the mockery of Jesus, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. So even right now, we're we're pretty early on in what Jesus will suffer throughout this whole process. And, And let's just be honest, this mocking beating that happens here at the beginning is probably worse Than most people listening to this podcast today have ever even experienced. Uh, Maybe some of you have been beat up uh, in in a way similar to this before, but I'm guessing most of you, uh, you've never been physically beaten in a way like this. And this is just the beginning of his suffering. And that's even just the physical component of his suffering. And I think it's good for us to be reminded as we read through this who is he suffering for? He's suffering for us. How can we not read this without gratitude and worship? The passage closes with the account of Jesus before the assembly of the elders of the people, which includes the chief priests and the scribes. And they say, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. And this is borne out by his ministry. He's been very clear about who he is, but they will not accept it. And if he asks them kind of like we saw recently is he, when he goes to Psalm 110 to ask them what this means that they don't answer him, but then he does still give a pretty clear answer. That's enough for them to condemn him in verse 69. Uh, he says, but from now on, you are that the son of man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Well, there's a pretty clear statement. Uh, and they respond by saying, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. That's an interesting way to put it. It's not, I don't think a clear affirmation of yep, That's exactly right, Um, but it's also not a a denial, and maybe there's even some irony in it where he's saying, you say that I am, and and maybe a a way of him pointing to, you're saying it, not me, and it is true, and and that really is shown by his statement in verse 69, um, that he will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. It's clear he's making that statement about himself, because even son of man was one of his favorite titles for himself, And this is enough for them to condemn him. They say, we have heard it ourselves from his own lips. So you see Jesus, again, willingly go to the cross. And even, I think, again, you see a clear statement of the deity of Christ, even though that you say that I am may not be an emphatic yes, maybe a roundabout way of saying it, but it's clear that Jesus could avoid the cross just by denying that but he does not. He, he affirms really who he is in this. And that's where we need to worship Jesus in response for what we have seen today. But we also need to seek to follow his example through prayer. And even on that subject of prayer, um, one thing that should encourage us um, as we think about prayer in response to today's reading. And we see Jesus's example of prayer at the beginning of the passage. But at the end, he talks about how from now on, he will be seated at the right hand of God. What's he doing there at the right hand of God? Well, consider Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's pretty amazing. So consider as you pray and you seek to pray like Jesus, Jesus is still praying for you. He is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So all the more encouragement for us to watch, for us to pray that we may not enter into temptation. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.